0: I don't know if you thought about this, but a lot of times uh, there's some tradition to how gifts started. Some say it was uh, thanks to jolly old St. Nick, who was actually a, a traditional figure, St. Nicholas, and he took some uh, gifts every year to orphaned and, and, and children who were needy and didn't have a, a chance at maybe things other kids did. So he took them things, and some say that's kind of where it started. So from St. Nicholas, we've got this jolly guy who's around with a beard and a red suit. Other folks I've heard say that, you know what? The gift I did and the giving comes from the New Testament church. They gave a lot. And you can find a record in the Bible of how they gave, and so we continue giving today. But I want to say something to you that I think giving comes from all the way back in the beginning of time. From God. In fact, the most famous verse of the Bible... Tells me where giving started. For God so loved, say it with me, the world that He gave. Can I say something to you? That you are never more like God than when you love and give. Can I say that to you again? In fact, that's something free. You'll just write down maybe somewhere in your Bible on a notepad somewhere. That'll help you. You are never more like God when you love and give and by the way you can't separate those words amen It'd be, you'd be hard pressed to say oh yeah we love you without giving something you see that's the whole point of project 318 how could we say to the Davidsons who are who have been in Peru and are now back for a while and going back in February is that right I'm looking for Greg and thanks for holding up the back there Greg I appreciate that buddy and how can we say, oh, yeah, we love you, and good luck? Here's a handshake, and hope you can get back there. How can we say to New Horizons, who have only been in this building now, what, Jeannie, about a few months? About the same, we've about 15 weeks old. You guys are about the same, right, as far as in this building. Now, you've been around for a while, uh, five years. How can we say, hey, we're glad you're in the building with us, and, and, and good, you know, good luck in what you're doing, and Godspeed, but, uh, yeah, just see you later, and help, help yourself. how can we say to the the, uh, Matthews headed to Australia? They've not been there yet, officially. They've they've visited, but God's called them there. They're raising their support. They're going, well, you know, best to you. How about the Baptist Ruthless home? How can we say, well, you know, good luck trying to find something to eat tonight. You know, we're really hoping things work out at at your home, in your house. Yeah, that's... Can I say something to you that the reason that we're doing Project 318 is stated in the verse, 1 John 3.18. Let us not love in words only. That's what that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, best to you. But the Bible says, let us love in action. Now, the King James uses the word deed. Let us love in deed. The the truth is, let us love in action. Let us love by doing something. So today, you're going to see love in action. Amen? And I know that a lot of you, and I want to say this in a proper way, but I want to to voice this. I realize that a lot of you, including our guests, have have gone out of your way this year. You are probably surprised that I would call upon you in this way, being a 14, 15-week-old church. Todd, we hardly have 100 people, 115 people. I mean, we've invested this. How can we do this? But, see, this is what I believe, that it's in giving that really we show love best. So the a mark of this church will always be from the from its very inception until the day where we've already passed fourteen batons to the very end. It will always be. It's not just about us. It's about them. It's about others. And so we will make giving a regular part of this church's practice and creed. Amen. What better way to start than our very first Christmas? So if you had to kind of pinch and. And scrape, good for you. Because you're acting like God this Christmas. Now, that sounds real theory-like. You know, it kind of makes your heart feel warm. You're like, oh, that's nice. We're like God when we give. That's wonderful. Can we leave now? You know, so. Have you ever asked yourself, Todd, what good does giving really do, though? I mean, we all banded together. We brought some guests in. We're going to really do what we can to help. but, But what good does it really do? That's a great question. I've heard folks say this. Well, I'm not giving. They'll be driving by a guy on the side of the road, you know, and we'll work for food, or, or they'll hear about it. I mean, well, I'm not going to do anything because you don't know what they're going to do with it. I've heard comments like that, and maybe you've made them. Yeah. Let me show you from the Bible today what your gift actually can do today. I want to show you five practical advantages to giving. So take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll be very brief, but I want to show you these very quickly. Because you'll be shocked at the neat things your giving today is going to do. 2 Corinthians, if you don't have a Bible with you and you want to follow along with us, the verses are actually in your worship folder. So you just look right above your worship folder there. And If you have a pen handy, of course, feel free to jot some notes in a minute. But let's begin reading in verse 12, shall we? Before I read there, let me just tell you that if you want to read more about this story, you need to read all the chapters in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Both those chapters give us a good story about this, these churches in Macedonia who gave, not when they had a lot, listen, but when they really had nothing. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, look what it says there. Out of the most severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So we're not talking about a church that had it made. Can we just clear that up? We're not talking about some individual or group of individuals who said, I just got a little bit of spare change. I'll make a difference. We're talking about a church and a group of churches who were struggling. But they did an incredible thing. They collected their resources and made a real difference for some other people. Verses 12 through 15 tell us the advantages that this, this had. Watch this. uh, 2 Corinthians 9 12. This service that you perform. And by the way, can I just, I'm going to kind of teach you a few things as we go through. The word service there is the word diakonos, or where we get our word deacon. Now, Bob, I don't know if you're in here. He's our deacon in training right now. But this is a, a great reference to what deacons may have done in those early churches. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. It's funny, it moves from the gifts... So suddenly there are now prayers going up, there's love going out. Why? Because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. And then verse 15 is an incredible verse. Read this verse with me, would you? Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let me share with you just briefly some things, some some practical advantages that your gift will do today. First of all, just jot this down. It'll be behind me on the screen. Your gift meets needs. Amen? Amen. And you say, that sounds pretty basic, Todd. I understand that. But that's an important place to start. This is the most basic and the first thing a gift does. It, make, it meets a need. Now, let me just give a, the husbands here a hint. If you're wondering what to, what to give someone, meet a need. And that goes. that's true for birthdays. It's true for gifts in general. You know, sometimes we make gift giving very hard. Find a need and meet it. There's your best gift list for the season. It shouldn't be difficult. Because at its most essential, in its most essential way, giving a gift meets a need. Uh, I like the words in the, in the text. Look with me, 2 Corinthians 9. Look at verse 12. This service you perform not only supplies the need. So it's almost as if he's saying, listen, this, this gift you're giving, in its most basic form it meets a need. That's good. Now, I remember when I was uh, 13 years old, I got a gift that met a need. And I didn't like it. Because most 13-year-olds don't like need meeting gifts. (laughs) Do they? Now, because of time, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But I will invite you to go to our website, firstfamilyministries.com, and click on the extra point. There's a story about what I got as a 13-year-old kid that I thought, man, I don't need this. But can I tell you something? I've still got that gift. What I wanted, it's long gone, forgotten, and out of date. And So if you want more information about the story, go to our website, click on the extra point, and there's a story there about my experience with need meeting. Just know this. When we give, today, you'll be meeting needs. Amen? You'll be meeting needs. That's the basic thing a gift does. second thing a gift does, when we give, we generate gratefulness. Now, Basically, what this is, is the result of meeting a need. When I give a gift to meet a need, the response is what? Say it with me. Yeah, gratefulness, thank you. That's a pretty natural response. In fact, we teach our children, and you do too, what? When they're given something, what, what do you say? We, you know, we hear that, what do you say to Mr. Smith? And Thank you. It's the response that's generated from a gift. and Rightly so. However, If you're looking to generate gratefulness in your home, if you want to create an atmosphere of thankfulness, hey, moms and dads, from one fellow warrior to another, griping about it is not near as effective as giving to make it happen. I wish you'd say thanks. I wish you'd be a little grateful. And I've done that, and you have too. So everybody nod and say, okay, I'm at home here. But you don't want to make that a practice. We've all fallen at times and, and, and slipped. But you know the home where that's the general practice produces kids who are the exact opposite. The best way to generate a home of gratefulness and thankfulness is to practice habitual giving. You know why? Because they've learned to habitually say what? Thanks. Thanks. And thanks. Years of that. and You've got kids at 18 and 20 learning to say thanks without a problem. So moms and dads. Gratefulness is generated by gifts and and giving. Now, kids, you could take this and really run with this, couldn't you? There's a balance here, people, right? You get what I'm saying? In this passage, the Bible says that when the churches received the gift, it resulted in many expressions of of thanks to God. Third thing gifts do. Gifts verify our faith. Look at that phrase in your Bible. Uh, You have proved yourselves. In other words... The word literally means, the word proven means to test, and, and specifically means to test a coin. I've got a coin here with me. It means to test to see if a coin is really what it says it is. In that culture, often they would be given a coin, and would it be real, and and they would find and see if the emperor's signature or the stamp or other ways the seal was on it. Hey, it looks like a quarter. They look. It is a quarter. You know, for us it might be that we have a A quarter, and we go up to this pop machine out here. Looks like a quarter. Put it in. If it makes the machine work, and you push Diet Coke, and it comes out, guess what? More than likely, it's a quarter. Here's the point, guys. Giving verifies that you are what you say you are. Now, the flip side of that must be true as well. Anybody kind of hold, cover your toes? I'm going to step on them for a minute. Not giving, selfishness must prove we are what we say. Or we're not what we say we are. You see, this is why it's so important today that we live out what we've been talking about. Giving verifies you are what you say you are. I'd be hard pressed. I'd I'd be impossible. Tell my wife for 16 years, honey, I love you but never bring her a gift. Gentlemen, I'm talking to you straight here, aren't I? If I forget anniversaries, and there's no excuse for that, don't quit copping out on the fact that you're a man. Write it down and keep it somewhere. Excuse me. It's called a calendar. It's not that hard. (laughs) You know, birthdays. When you continually forget, if it's always a last minute and she knows it and you know it, can I say something to you? You're not proving your love. Now you can call that hard preaching. You can call that being mean. I'm just trying to teach you. The Bible says that giving verifies that you are what you say. So it must mean then that when we don't give and when we're not conscious of, of living out our love in concrete ways that we really maybe don't love like we thought. Giving verifies your love. Kids, same thing for your parents. You know, I, used to, I, I loved it when I was growing up, and, and we didn't have a lot of money a lot, uh, a lot of times, I didn't have any money. I didn't get a job until I was older, of course, but we didn't get allowance as a kid, so uh, just, you know, it wasn't anything bad about that, but when you're, when you're 8 or 10, you don't know how to buy Christmas presents, because you got like $13, or maybe $2, you know, what do you get? I remember, we used to go to the store, and, and try to find, you know, uh, things for like 40 cents, and 80 cents, and my sisters were great at that. I wasn't very good at that, you know. But my sisters were good at And finding the the cheapest little things. And, And nobody needed them probably. But it was their way of saying, you know what? I really do want to give and I do love you. And it's the best I can do with what I've got. I remember watching my parents sometimes open those things, you know. And that was a sight. But now that I'm a parent, I think those gifts meant a whole lot more than what they were mailed from their parents or whatever. Because it verified, hey, mom and dad, I really love you. It's not a lot, it's the best I can do, but you know something. I went through all this trouble to show you I love you. I'm not just sitting here saying, yeah, Merry Christmas, where's my stuff? Man, giving verifies we are what we say. Fourth thing it does. When we give, we increase love. I like this one the best. You know why? Because of the word go out. In fact, you ought to circle the words go out. Let me just tell you what they mean in the Greek language. You'll love this. It is the word to throw. And most literally, we could say this, uh, that because of what these these churches did, the Bible says their hearts will be thrown out to you. Isn't that what you want to do when you you feel someone give towards you? Don't you want to just throw your heart out at them? If you're looking to increase love in a marriage, if you're looking to increase love in a friendship, if you're looking to, to upgrade the level of commitment in your home, The leader of that home ought to first and foremost start serving and giving. I don't mean just gifts. You can buy about anybody's love. I'm talking about giving and serving from the heart. Yes, at times that may mean a gift. At times it may mean giving your time, putting aside your priorities for someone else's. I want to tell you something. You want to see someone throw their heart out to you? Then you start giving. Now Proverbs bears this out. A man that has friends... Finish it with me. Must show himself friendly. Can I be honest with you? I've heard people say, well, no ways are nice to me. They never talk to me. They're never friendly to me. And, and I know we've had that happen. There are times when that's an honest assessment. For the, but for the most part, you know why that happens? Because we've not given first. We would find that if we give, folks would throw their heart back to us. Now, you may not agree with this. but I'm from the South, and you agree with that because you know the way I talk, Right? But I have found that people all over America are about the same. And you don't have to agree with that. You can say, no, man, down south, man, they are friendly down there. I've been to south. Well, I grew up in the south. When I moved to Iowa, I didn't think folks were unfriendly at all. I thought they were pretty much the same here as they were in Washington State or as they were in Canada when we visited there. You know why? Because I have found from my own experience that if you're friendly to people, 90% of the time, they're friendly to back. Okay, there's a few exceptions. California. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know about that. There's a few exceptions. But you know what? For the most part, if you'll be friendly, if you'll love and serve, you will find that in time, they will throw their heart out to you. Isn't that a great word? Giving does that. It causes people's hearts to go out to you. Last thing it does, number five. When we give, we point to God's gift. Look what the Bible says here, the last phrase in verse 14. When they see the incredible gifts and what you've done, the Bible says that, uh, here it is, last part of verse 14, that in their prayers their hearts go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Now, I want you to know something in your Bibles or on your worship folder. I want you to underline the word grace in verse 14. Okay? Now look down in verse 15 where it says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Underline the word gift. Now look at me. And I want you to listen to me. Those are the same words. One time they translated grace and one time they translated gift. Did you know that in the New Testament culture, charis, and charim was our keyboards. Uh, charis, however you want to say it, is the Greek word for gift. It's also the Greek word for thanks. And it's also the Greek word for grace. Now, those were connected. Now, watch this, guys. What he's saying is this. When people saw the gift God gave you or the gracefulness God gave you, verse 14, they were like, man, why are you giving things to us? Because He has given to me. His gift and my gifts are always connected. Listen to me. In fact, I like to say this. When people ask you why, point to the sky. Can you say that with me? When people ask you why, point to the sky. Hey, why would you do that? He did it for me. You can speak up in this church. That's right. You know, you you give something to, uh, to your children. Point to the sky. When people ask you why, point to the sky. Because really... That's what this verse says. Man, God has given us surpassing grace. Why wouldn't we pass that on? We don't hoard our resources. The church, I've said this from the beginning. Our church is not a bank. We don't sit in in our leadership meeting and say, Hey, look at the bottom line. That means we're doing well. We sit in our leadership meeting and say, Listen, who needs help? Where should it go? What missionaries can we support? When that money is going through the church, then the church is what God wants it to be. You need to know that as you give. Not only concrete gifts, but weekly. There's no hoarding. There's no padding. Man, we're a conduit. And you know what? You are individually as well. If God has blessed you, would you bless someone else, please? Amen? In fact, I I did a little work this week on these words. Good gifts and God's gifts. And if you just take a couple letters and mix them up, it's amazing how they look similar. Watch this. Here's good gifts. When we give and stuff, here's what they should do. Watch this. Good gifts should point to God's gift. Take out a no, change the S. That's what we ought to be doing. Can we see that again, Amber? Say it with me. Good gifts, God's gift. This morning, in just a few minutes, when our guests come up front, they're going to feel awkward. They're going to be like, Oh, we don't, you know. But they're going to love it. Don't worry, you know. Everybody loves to get a gift. Amen? We love to give a gift. When you see these gifts, I don't want you to think about First Family Church. I don't want you to think about the Davidsons or Genie or or the Baptist home. I want you to think about God's gift. Because that's really what giving is supposed to do. The ultimate thing is that our giving should point to the sky and, and remind folks of God's incredible gift. The Bible calls this an indescribable gift. Now, I've not always done this well, but there was one time I did this well. It was in Georgia, believe it or not, it snowed, and I believe it was around Christmas time. It was in December, I know, because it was in, it was the only time it would snow down there. You know, I think it was it was it was sometime it got cold in Georgia, and we took some youth to a homeless shelter, and everyone was surprised because of the temperature and the weather. And so I had on this uh, a friend of mine named John actually given me a coat. Now, it wasn't a coat he had bought, that's true, but he had gotten it as a gift, and he didn't need it, so he gave it to me. His name was John Bunn, and he said, here, Todd, it was kind of like a goose down. Is that the name of a coat? Real puffy, I man. I wore like, oh, I'm bad, baby. Look at this coat. I'm, I'm muscle, <laughs> you know. I thought I'd wear it in the summer. Anyway, um, so I had this coat, and I went to this homeless shelter, and um, there we were taking food, and a lot of folks around, and... And not many of them had clothes. This it was kind of a sudden uh, temperature change, and it just was odd for Atlanta. And I remember uh, talking to this one guy, and he had on like a just a sweatshirt or a t-shirt—I forget exactly—but he said to me, "He said that's a nice coat." Now I don't speak any coded language, but I did that day. I didn't know what he's asking, but I figured he's got no coat. It's snowing outside. This is Atlanta. He's homeless. He's probably wanting a coat. I don't know if he meant that, but that's what I took it as because maybe I should have sold what I did. Normally, I would say, probably what a lot of you said, I'm not giving my coat. I'm telling you what he'll do with it. And you know, someone gave me this coat. You can't give a gift away. That's like recycling gifts. You can't do that, you know. But instead, I said, you know what? You like this? You know, I'll tell you what. You need it more. I got several coats at home. I took the cut off and I gave it to him. And that's what he told me. He said, man, you really mean what you say. So it was, it was like proven number three. It verified I was what I said, but get this. Uh, we fed him some food, and he put that coat right on. You know, he sat out, and uh, it was in his gym or something like that, but we sat down, and, and then I spoke for a few minutes, like I'm doing today. I came to a time when I asked the men if, if they all knew they were Christians, if they all believed that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. I talked about God's gift. And did you know that three or four of those men raised their hand and said they'd like to believe? They said, I want to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to have it, and out of those three or four, he was one of them. Now I don't lay any claim to that. I've messed up more than I've done right. I'll just be honest with you. But that one time stands out to me. You know why? Because of a. I think maybe God told John to give it to me, so I could give it on to the next guy. We were just conduits. If I'd have held that coat, God would have been like, "Man, I didn't want that coat to go to you anyway." What are you doing, holding on to it? You know, I was a messenger boy. God's real purpose of that coat, that hand-me-down, goose-down coat, was so that that homeless gentleman would come to Christ and from my good gift, see God's gift. Amen? And I hope this morning, maybe you came to watch a friend open a gift. I don't know. Maybe you came to see your friends and your neighbors. I don't know why you're here, but I hope all these gifts point you to God's gift. And if you're here this morning, and you don't know for sure that you belong to Jesus Christ. That you're a Christian. Now, when I say Christian, you know, I don't mean you're born in America. I don't mean that you have a Christian family. Here's what I mean by Christian. That you are a Christ follower. Do you know that when they used the word in Acts, it was actually a term of ridicule? Ah, you're a Christian. And that's how they would say it. It was not Christian. It was like if you were a, lived in Galatia, they'd call you a Galatian. So if you were a Christian, they'd say, oh, you're one of those Christians. That's why I say now we say Merry Christmas. Amen? So my question is this. Are you a Christian in that you follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's your only way to heaven? You've accepted him into your heart. You believe that, and you're walking inside. Are are you a Christian? They thought, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I thought it was just a matter of going to church. That's a good idea. But going to church doesn't get you to heaven. Amen? I can go sit in a garage all day. doesn't turn me into a car. You with me? That's an old illustration, but it's true. The only thing that gets me to heaven is the one who lives there. Jesus Christ. He's the bridge from earth to heaven. And I want to encourage you, as you watch these good gifts this morning, let your heart be stirred to accept God's gift. In fact, look at these verses here with me. And we'll wrap up with this. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. What is that gift? It's Jesus Christ. Look at this next verse, Ephesians 2. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The best gift of all at Christmas is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know for sure this morning that you belong to Jesus, that you've accepted Him, that you're going to heaven when you die, we're going to close in a few minutes. I'll be available afterwards all around this place. I'd love to chat. Just come up and put your hand on my shoulder and say, Todd, I want to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. I'll sit down with you right here today and share with you the good news about God's indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me, please? All of us are are praying now. Our heads are bowed. We're coming to the end of our time together. Just like in that homeless shelter, I said to those men, I said, men, if you want to receive Christ today, just pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I do believe that you're the only way to heaven. And I turn from my sin, confess it, and I believe in Jesus Christ as the only way. A prayer like that from your heart moves God to action on your behalf. He gives you His good gift eternal life through Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are spiritually today, but if you've been missing the greatest gift because of all the good gifts, hey, wipe the glasses today. Clear away the blur. Have the best Christmas of your life. Receive the the best gift of all, Jesus Christ, eternal life. Lord, if anyone here this morning there's a no for sure that they're a Christian. That they are going to heaven. Will you please begin to work in their heart as I know you can. Draw them to Jesus. Give them the faith to believe. And then the grace, Lord. Thank you so much for what Christmas means to First Family. We want to act like you today. And give as a way to show our love.